welcome back to this week's episode of Medical Musings. Today, we're going to be discussing one of the most common concerns consumers share about direct-to-consumer, or DTC, genetic testing, privacy. We will be covering topics ranging from company policy to federal law to try to get to the bottom of this issue. I'm your host, Megan, joined here by Jesse. Now, Jesse, how do companies like 23andMe, Helix, and Ancestry DNA address privacy and ownership of genetic information in their terms and conditions? That's a fantastic question, Megan. Companies can't claim ownership of the genome that resides within you, obviously, but they can claim ownership of the DNA sample that you send them, how they analyze it, and the results regarding the makeup of your genome. For example, Ancestry DNA specifically states that it, quote, does not claim any ownership rights in the DNA that is submitted for testing, end quote. But later on, the policy states, quote, by submitting your DNA, you grant Ancestry DNA a royalty-free, worldwide, sublicensable, transferable license to host, transfer, process, analyze, distribute, and communicate your genetic information, end quote. Wow, that's a lot. What do they mean by license? It means that by agreeing to their terms and conditions, you are authorizing the company to use your genetic information in the ways they specify in their terms and conditions. According to these terms, the license doesn't expire, but it can be revoked by you at any time. You are also authorizing the company to transfer or sublicense your genetic information to another entity without your explicit permission. You could also imagine this agreement like a chain restaurant licensing agreement. A typical restaurant chain like McDonald's will grant a personal, non-exclusive, non-transferable, and revocable license to a franchisee so they can open a franchise, the actual store itself. That sole individual has been granted the rights to open a restaurant using McDonald's branding and products for a set period of time. Unlike this agreement, the license we afford to DTC genetic testing companies does not have an expiration, and we allow ownership of the license to be transferred without prior authorization. Huh, I didn't know that. So, who actually owns your DNA? Technically, you own your own DNA, but that doesn't prevent companies from sharing your genetic information with their partner labs or even selling it. The Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, commonly known as HIPAA, as you might know from those forms we have to fill out at the doctor's office pretty much every time we go in for the first time, it's a federal law passed in 1996 that allows medical companies to share or sell anonymized patient data. I've never heard that term before. What is anonymized patient data? Anonymized, also known as de-identified, data has been stripped of any obvious features that could be used to identify the patient or consumer from which it came. In the DTC genetic testing market, this typically means assigning each DNA sample a random identification number that only the company, 23andMe, Helix, or Ancestry DNA, in our examples, can link back to the name, address, contact information, etc. that the consumer provided to them. Um, For example, Helix sequences its own samples then sends the relevant pieces of the de-identified data to its partners for analysis. While 23andMe contracts with external labs who perform the sequencing and then pass the results back to the company. 
In both cases, the external lab only have access to the identification number associated with the sample or data that they are processing. Unfortunately, DNA is so unique that it is nearly impossible to completely anonymize your data while retaining enough information to be scientifically useful. Really? So what are DTC genetic testing companies doing with all of our genetic data? On any of the three major platforms we've discussed, you can decline to share your genetic information with third-party research initiatives at pharmaceutical companies and universities. However, this does not exclude you from research performed for product research and development, quality control, and consumer services, nor does it prevent companies from selling your de-identified data to third parties. Much like the business model of social media companies like Facebook or Google, you're both the consumer and the product. While Facebook and Google collect and sell metadata about your social media and internet use, companies like 23andMe, Helix, and Ancestry DNA can sell the de-identified data they collect from their users' DNA samples. For example, 23andMe has sold access to its database to at least 13 outside pharmaceutical firms. The company Genentech paid $10 million to gain access to the genetic profiles of individuals identified to have Parkinson's disease. Ancestry DNA is also currently in a data-sharing partnership with the Google-backed biotech company called Calico. Furthermore, DNA sequencing and analysis programs are notoriously lack in security, which means our data is hackable by anyone. That sounds really scary. What federal laws are in place to protect us from genetic discrimination? Well, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act of 2008, also known as GINA, was signed into law by President George W. Bush on May 21, 2008. Under this law, it is illegal to discriminate against employees or health insurance applicants because of genetic information. This means that a health insurer may ask for enough information to determine that, for example, a Huntington's disease test is medically necessary and should be covered by their insurance, but they cannot request the results of said test. It also means that it's against the law for an employer to request, require, or purchase the genetic information of a potential or current employee or their family members. An employer can have genetic information legally in the following cases. If they were to inadvertently learn of the employee's genetic information, like in a casual conversation, um, if the information is publicly available, if the employee perhaps gave an interview in a newspaper article, if the employee voluntarily uses an employer-provided genetic service, in which case information from the employee's questionnaires and history were lawfully obtained, or if they had to provide this information in order to obtain leave under the Family and Medical Leave Act to care for a sick relative. This law also only applies to companies under 15 employees and does not apply to schools or other academic institutions. So, for example, a private school could refuse admittance of a student due to genetic markers indicating that he is at high risk for cystic fibrosis, and technically they are not violating this act. Unfortunately, this law does not prohibit genetic discrimination in other areas, like life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care insurance, 
mortgages, commercial transactions, or as previously explained, education. This loophole leaves many individuals vulnerable to the threat of genetic discrimination when seeking insurance or approval in any of these areas. Thank you for the insight into the privacy behind our genetic information. This is definitely some potentially scary stuff with many privacy issues that still need to be addressed, especially when it comes to DTC genetic testing. And with all of the current concerns with privacy brought on by the Cambridge Analytical Revelations, this is a major problem that we need to pay attention to as both consumers and as global citizens. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Medical Musings! We hope you enjoyed it, and please check out our website for more information. Catch you next time.